1: Welcome to a special edition of BGN Radio. I am Brandon Gautin here with you for this special episode. Of course, BGN Radio brought to you by Right to Sell and Craft Turkey. Go to righttoselland.com. Use discount code BGN15 for 15% off Right to Sell and Craft Turkey. But I can't delay any further because you've already probably listened to the BGN Radio Carson Wentz emergency trade podcast by now. If you haven't, obviously go listen to that. But I wanted to bring in another special guest For a follow-up, we had this man on back after week one, so heading into week two during the 2020 season to talk about Carson Wentz. And I feel like I referenced that conversation quite a bit uh, throughout the season because it was very relevant, probably more relevant than I knew it would would be at the time we recorded this. Yeah. Uh, I'm here with a man of many hats, but <laughs> but everyone knows him obviously for his Philly voice story on Carson Wentz. I'm here with Joe Santa Licuido. Joe, how you doing?
2: I'm doing well. I'm doing well. Thanks again for having me, Brandon. I wouldn't call. I wouldn't. I wouldn't use the adjective special. We'll just say guest. <laughs> <laughs> I would not define myself as special by any means.
1: Well, I think it's it's a it's a special opportunity to talk to you, well, considering you know your Appreciate background of this story and. uh I mean, give me the reaction to the trade. You know, the trade goes down on Thursday, February 18th. You mm-hmm. see what the compensation is. Like, what's your, you know, given how you know how involved you were mm-hmm. in this, ultimately, just in, in terms of the Carson Wentz discourse, I mean, what's your reaction?
2: Relief. <laughs> relief, relief for the Eagles. Believe it or not, relief for Carson Wentz. Uh, relief for the players in that locker room. Relief across the board for everyone. I was on a conference call doing uh my other world uh with my some boxing stuff. Suddenly someone who knows me well and someone who knows my history turns around and goes, Your boy just got traded. I said, What? My what, what's what's got traded? Get out of here. Uh <laughs> I had an idea he was going to the Colts. Uh I also had a strong idea they weren't gonna get anything better than a third round pick. Then they got the conditional pick. Um so yeah, I was um I knew it was coming. Uh, we all knew it was coming, but I was still taken aback by it. And and like I said, I think it's, uh, it's great relief for everyone involved. We know now that Wentz wanted out. I didn't exactly like how Wentz handled leaving town. It's not become official, but a lot of times when people invest in an area, as I felt Wentz was trying to connect with the Philadelphia area, you would get something on social media about it. You would get, uh, you know, thank you. Uh, you would get basically what, what Deuce Daly did. You know, Deuce Daly's a legend here. He's been here for, for years. And Carson Wentz belongs, and, and strange it may, as it may come from my mouth, Carson Wentz belongs in Eagles lore because he is a reason, not the reason, but he is a major reason why the Eagles won their first and only Super Bowl in franchise history. Uh, he got them there. And and obviously, as we know, uh, Nick Foles took them the rest of the way, but you know he deserves to be looked at in a positive way for what he what he's done to, for the franchise. Um, he needed to get out, uh, as you and I had spoken many many times uh, uh, over these last couple of weeks. I did the big takeout uh, for the uh, for Philly Voice on Monday, February eighth, where we delved definitely delved further into. And even more detailed than the first story, uh, January twenty-first of twenty-nineteen, but uh, that made me believe firmly believe there was no way Wentz can come back here. And as you and I, Brandon, have had uh, many conversations, very very many private conversations about this, uh, we both expressed the same things to one another, and and you see the way this this played out. Uh, uh, I think, too, uh, I need to stress this. I mean, Roseman gets uh, a lot of blame for things, and it's deserved. I'm not going to dispute that, but uh, I'm going to give him some credit here because, again, this is something that needed to be done. And then talking to – now, the first incarnation of the story, the one story that I did in January of 2019, that was strictly on the one side of the ball. That was strictly offense. This time around, this was – both sides of the ball and this was a handful of, of guys in terms of people yeah willing to talk to me and they were both sides of the ball and some some were pretty prominent well some are pretty prominent leaders so stop there that there were issues there and they were uh multi-layered issues issues again of him of Wentz uh supposedly asking for a trade which again he's never come up. he's never gone public with disputing that bothered a lot of guys and then again what we all saw, we all saw what we did see, and there was no denying this, is the fact that this team played better with Hertz. They were willing to, they didn't, um, better is a wrong word. They were willing to exert more effort.
0: More inspires, maybe.
2: Yeah. When Hertz was on the field as opposed to when Wentz was on the field. And that's just, again, the simple eye test. And we saw that, we saw that test when Foles took over uh, the season after the Super Bowl, the 2018 season, where again, Carson Wentz was hurting. He had a very serious back injury, which he shouldn't have played. He shouldn't have even played until mid-October of that season. He should have sat and rested. But he had to come back, you know, and uh, uh, he had to establish himself in some way, feeling uh, he was left out of the 2017 Super Bowl year. And they were in desperate straits in 2018, as we know. The Eagles felt the season was over. They didn't want to risk any further injury to Wentz. They put Foles in. He does the same thing he he did in in 2017, lightning in a bottle, the double joint game, the loss to the Saints, and you know we know the rest from there. But this situation had been coming for some time. Uh, the Eagles uh, and and in national reports uh, with the uh, with Adam uh, with uh, with uh, uh, Schefter and with Chris Mortensen, uh, this 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 relationship's been fractured. This relationship's been, let me use the word tense. It's been tense, I think, the last two or three years. Um, and what kind of gets me is, and, and it's twofold, the blame is twofold. The blame is on Wentz being the petulant child that I think now everybody knows he can be and and, and sometimes is. Uh, and it also falls on the Eagles and Howie Roseman because, again, here's this petulant child. Well, what do you do with a petulant child? You slap them down. You slap their hand, you know, go in the corner, calm down. You know, this is your punishment. He never received any of that. You know, what he did receive, and this is where the Eagles are at fault, is that they enabled that behavior. They enabled that 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 entitlement that they should have put their foot down and just said, you know, no, you're not going to turn around and run this franchise into the ground. Which, in my opinion, he did by holding this team hostage, by playing this game. Uh, out out very much in the public, regardless of how much Wentz wants to turn around. And I, you know, uh, he said through different connections, uh, uh, he, he doesn't see the sense in responding right now with different things. Well, no, you know, you should respond. You have to turn around and step up to this criticism. And again, what bothered guys, at least the guys that I spoke to, their issue was, again, he's asking for a trade. So he's he's, he's trying to cut out on us. And secondly, he's asking for a trade. And he's backing away from competition with Jalen Hurts because I don't think you'd find Jalen Hurts backing away from Carson Wentz or I I don't think Jalen Hurts would back away from the, you know, the next coming of Joe Montana. Mm -hmm. You know, he's going to turn around for what I know and what I hear about Jalen Hurts. He's going to fight. He's going to claw. And the last time I looked, uh, that's pretty much Philadelphia. That's this fan base. That's where people could turn around and relate to a guy like that, as opposed to someone like, like Carson Wentz. And I'm going to go here with this. He ran away. And that, that that bothered guys. That bothered guys.
1: Yeah, I mean, um, it bothers me. <laughs> it bothers, <laughs> like, it, sh- it should bother people looking at it as from a standpoint. I think so many people have said, and I understand it to a point of like, well, why would Carson Wentz want to be here? Because things are a mess. And I think there's a validity to that sentiment because mm-hmm. things here are a mess. Mm-hmm. But Par- Carson Wentz is part of the mess. Like he <laughs> created part of the mess, and also like this is supposed to be, you know. A leader on your team this is supposed to be a guy ideally who is supposed to help things get right like mm-hmm. if that's your standard like are, are you just gonna say that about every player so every player should just leave the team and give up and quit because things are tough like i think the way jimmy kemsky put it on a, the, the podcast we did for bgn radio about the Wentz, the emergency show was like you know the tough got going and carson wentz like didn't want to be part of it like and, and i think there's between that and between what we saw Uh, Late in the year after he got benched, you know, the anonymous reports that came out, which were clearly from his camp or at least had the motivation to be in terms of Carson Wentz not wanting to be here if Jalen Hurts continued to start down the stretch. And I feel like that's ultimately a big reason why, among other reasons, that Carson Wentz isn't here anymore because he lost faith in the organization as a whole, not just, you know, not just Howie, not just Doug, but kind of the whole decision-making process. And, uh, you know, and I think that's kind of weak and it also makes me totally not – feel confident that he's going to rebound because how do you look at this guy um who doesn't seem to think he's part of the problem or at least maybe in a, a like an appropriate part of the problem like a big the percentage that he is and how do you like expect that guy to get fixed um so that that's where that's what I come back to thinking about that and also Joe I want to touch on this because something you talked about and what you said there uh, reminded me of this theory I'd be, kind of been crafting uh back Uh, What was this article? It was late September. And I said, Carson Wentz is almost just like the quarterback version of Chip Kelly. They have never won a playoff game. They both have lacked emotional intelligence. You know, Chip couldn't relate to the players. He talked about Wentz, you know, being criticized by his teammates on numerous occasions, anonymously uh they both had control issues very much apparent and you know chip overstepping his bounds and personnel Mm -hmm. Wentz you know having a lot of influence over the offense and then even personnel and you know a lot of different factors there to their credit they both indirectly helped the Eagles win the Super Bowl Mm -hmm. um you know because they'd play in the game but you know obviously Wentz said that the the lead up to, to put them in position and then a lot of Chip Kelly players Nelson Aguilar Zach Ertz, Lane Johnson, Trey Burton, Malcolm Jenkins, you know, they were all in the Super Bowl and big contributors. They had a major role in the Eagles moving on from Nick Foles both times. <laughs> and then uh, they both had one excellent year that kind of convinced a lot of people that that was the norm and not everything else was the norm. Mm-hmm. And I'll add or I'll put a bow on this by saying, I think Lurie um, at some level, like getting rid of Carson Wentz is almost when they, here's how, let me start that over. When the Eagles got rid of Chip Kelly, I remember the phrase being out there that like Lurie was taking his team back. And I almost feel like there's some sentiment of that with Carson Wentz. It's like, he's taking the team back. It's not Carson Wentz's team anymore. It's ideally, well, really it feels like it's Howie Roseman's team, but um, it's the Eagles, I guess in their mind. So uh, all that is basically me just rambling on, but I want to ask you, um, and I guess you kind of said it in here. The question I'd written down is like, do you think the Eagles will regret trading Carson Wentz at all? And I want to kind of pick that up from, Our conversation from week two, like knowing what you know after we talked, and how this, yeah, yeah, and yeah, and how the season devolved. Like, do you feel even more confident that they won't regret this trade?
2: I don't think the Eagles will regret this trade. Uh, I agree with a lot of things that you're saying. Uh, I'm trying to be, (laughs) I'm trying to be as fair as I can be to uh, to Carson Wentz. The big piece that I did again at Philly Voice on Monday, February eighth. The sentiment ran across these lines that uh, Hertz has uh, the leadership. He has he has the intangibles, the leadership, the character, a guy that guys will rally around, a guy that that's never going to give up. And Wentz had all the physical skills on the planet. Uh, what's the saying? I think the old saying is uh, the million dollar arm and the ten cent head. And that's that that that's the way uh, I think many people in the organization, at least the guys in that locker room, many guys in that locker room look at look at Wentz uh, and define him that way. They had to get rid of him. I, I, again, it just goes back to, and it's a great point you made in terms of this team becoming Lurie's team. And the problem with it was that they handed Wentz the keys to the team. They handed him the keys to the car. And you and I have, have made this this reference many, 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 many times in terms of him having the direct line to the bat phone. And, and here... Again, the other guys on the team see this. And again, you understand that as a franchise quarterback, he's going to have uh, more latitude to do a lot of things than uh, other players wouldn't have. I see that. I understand that. But here's a guy that, again, was only two or three years in the league, and he has access to uh, Lurie that other guys, I mean, vested veterans on that team didn't have. And that can create some friction there. And then as it was put to me, and I I, I use this, I certainly use this in the original story, that how Wentz has enough power in that organization to fire both Roseman and Peterson. Well, we kind of know there's, that was two years ago, right? And we kind of know there's certainly some, there's some valid truth to what I was told then because we saw what, we saw exactly what happened. We saw what happened. We saw what happened uh, this past season. Uh, I believe, I think as you believe, Wentz had a lot of, uh uh Input in terms of uh, a very beloved coach and Doug Peterson not coming back. But here, you don't have the keys to the car unless you're handed those keys. So, again, uh, the twofold effect here is that Wentz deserves 50% of the culpability. And the other 50% certainly falls in the lap of, of Howie Roseman, uh, Jeff Lurie, because they allowed him to to get away with the things he was able to get away with. Um, I found it interesting that again, going back to the 2019 story, that the Eagles had ideas that there were signs there. And again, uh, we know uh, a lot of media people in the city were shouting me down. Fans in the city were shouting me down. Everybody was coming after me. And that's okay. But again, I had something very powerful, a very powerful ally on my side. And that's the truth. And the Eagles knew this because again, if you remember, they called Wentz in to speak about that story. And I'm thinking, if there's no truth to this in your minds, if if the media in the city are coming after me and there's no truth in their minds and there's no truth in the fan base's minds, why would you call in your franchise quarterback? I believe they called him in during Super Bowl week, by the way, because I think the, uh, the story was embargoed to appear Monday after that dreaded uh, Rams uh, Patriots Super Bowl. But they call him in to address the issues. And again, we remember that Wentz again to his credit, and I've said this to you many, many times privately and publicly. Wentz, to his credit, admitted fault with 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 a lot of things. He he pushed back. I found it interesting, he pushed back. If you remember that, he pushed back. Oh, no one boys might grow and, and everything else like that. Well, we also know Carson, <laughs> <laughs> the nose was getting a little bit longer there, bro. So we know that was not exactly completely honest. <laughs> on the part of uh, Mr. Number 11, Carson Wentz. But if they didn't suspect any signs, they wouldn't have called him in to address those signs. So they knew what was happening here. It's like I've built Frankenstein's monster. And after you create Frankenstein's monster, and obviously in this case, Wentz, and then you turn around and you, and, and, and you, you, almost as if they ignored it, you know, that we created this monster, this beast, to wreak some havoc internally with our team and create a problem with, within the team concept, after you create it, then you ignore the problem. You know, you're the ones that created the problem. So like I said, it's it's twofold, and it's a situation that they resolved yesterday. I think they move forward from it. I think they get rid of a lot of um, – I think hopefully they learned some lessons from it. They got to go deeper into these guys. They looked at once the player – they didn't – they needed to take a different, deeper examination – as to whence the person. And I I think too, Brandon, that some of those things, some of those character questions, I'll call them, could have been addressed and should have been addressed in a far better way than they were addressed here. What happened again in 2019, again, whence addresses the issue. Again, if the Eagles didn't recognize the problem, they would have called them in to answer those questions. But to me, when you look back on it, it was almost like putting a Band-Aid on a gaping wound that obviously then we knew through time was going to turn around and open and become a uh, a a nasty, nasty gushing uh, gushing problem, and 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 that all spilled out this past season.
1: Do you think he's going to have success in Indianapolis? Because you mentioned Mike Gro, and Mike Gro is there now. Yeah, and then his buddy Press Taylor, obviously yeah. there now, and uh, yeah. and the the big key to the trade mm-hmm. is Frank Reich, you know, being the head coach there. So knowing what you know, you know about those guys. Um, do you think they can get the best out of Carson Wentz? And that's relevant, obviously, to the mm-hmm. Eagles because the Eagles own this their first-round pick potentially mm-hmm. next year. So a lot of Eagles fans would you know, probably prefer to see them not do so well because yeah. then you get a higher pick. Um, but it'll be interesting. Do you think he can kind of be fixed and, and thrive
2: there? I think so. I think so. But I think what has to be done, what definitely has to be done, is as soon as he lands in Indianapolis – Reich gets his tail over the Colts complex. And Reich, Wentz, Press Taylor, and Mike Rowe all sit in the conference room together. And uh, what's the thing in Seinfeld? Uh, uh, The Festivus, uh, the error of grievances? (laughs)
1: Yeah. Yeah.
2: And I think they they have to sit down and get this thing together. They all need to sit down and just say, hey, listen, this is what needs to be done. Because the other thing, too, with Wentz is this is his last stop. This is his, you know, last stop motel here. Again, I'm going to go back to uh, the number of guys in the league, and and obviously the source being the Eagles locker room. These guys, again, all talk. Everybody's connected in this league, in one way or another. And as it was worded to me, is the words out in the street. This guy's a bad act, and he's going to need to win over. Here's the deal. Again, I say there was no way he could have returned back to the Eagles because again, he had to win over the locker room. Uh, They had to turn around and and get over the schism between himself and Harry Roseman. But here, his situation in Indianapolis is, is this. Again, word's out in the street. These guys know, a number of them already know, the bad act that Wentz has been here from players here. I'll say this. I feel very strongly that word's gotten out to them in Indianapolis what kind of a guy Carson Wentz is. So he's not only got to, he not only had to turn around and win back this locker room if he returned back, back to the Eagles, but here's this new team, new city, Indianapolis. It's a different setting. It's nowhere near as intense as Philadelphia, blah, 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 blah. Uh, those things matter to a point. But what ultimately matters is these guys here are they willing to go to war with me? Are they willing to turn around and put themselves out there for me? Uh, like certainly the Eagles were willing to do with Nick Foles. And certainly like the Eagles were able to do this the last four games of the season with Jalen Hurts. He's going to need to address these guys. He's not only going to turn around again. If I'm right, my plan is very simple. Again, like I said, sit down with, with Taylor. Sit down with uh, uh, with Mike Crow and himself, obviously. This is what the deal is. This is what we have to do. Let's get it together. We're all going to get go on the same page. And Carson, after you turn around and talk to us, dude, you're going to have to talk to this team. You're going to have to turn around and get things straight. Get these guys on the same page with you. Get these guys to believe in you, because I I have my suspicions that he's walking into a situation where they want to believe in him, but I think there's some doubt there. I, I, I'm I'm just guessing with that, but my guess is a pretty good guess that he's going to have to address those guys, and and we'll see where it goes. What we do know, Brandon, you and I know here in the city of Philadelphia, that there were issues there again. Uh, uh, after my story, issues of accountability, issues of accessibility, he addressed those momentarily. But then again, he res, he resorted back to the same old Carson Wentz, the Carson Wentz that turtled up, the Carson Wentz that turned around and, and his guys brought out to me. Jalen Hurts couldn't have gotten uh, more coaching. He couldn't have asked. If it was up to Jalen Hurts after a failed series, he'd ask the, he'd ask the guy selling hot dogs, you know, if they had fans in the stands. Mm-hmm. You know, did you see what I didn't see? What's going on? He wanted input from everyone and anyone he can get it from to become better. Whereas opposed to uh, number 11, he goes over, sits in the corner, resorts to his iPad and all that stuff. And that's all fine. But maybe I'm going to go to other people that can give me some help, give me some input and help me see things that I wasn't seeing. And we both know, Brandon, he was not seeing the field the way he's capable of seeing the field. And I mean that as a compliment to Carson Wentz. He didn't see the field the way he's capable of seeing the field. And 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 the way you know he 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 has ability, he has the ability to read the defense. He's he, he's proven that. He's been in the NFL long enough. He's an intelligent guy, but suddenly now uh, everything that 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 you know he was he was hoping to see in himself. I think that all went to went to hell. The second half of the, the the season opened against Washington. The Most important thing is Carson Wentz needs to look at himself in the mirror and and, and self evaluate, and take a look at you know what he's done wrong. Um, Here's a quick aside. Mike Tyson was an all-time great. Well, could have been better than he was. But there came a point in time in Mike Tyson's career when he needed no people around him to point him in a better direction. And right now, Carson Wentz needs no people around him to say, hey, Carson, no, you don't do that. That's not right. You know, he certainly didn't have it here with the Eagles. He certainly didn't have it with Howie Roseman and Jeff Lurie. He certainly didn't have it with Press Taylor. Think about this, though, Brandon, when he did have it, with Frank Wright and John DeFilippo, we all saw the results.
1: Yeah, I think that's the case for optimism. You know, obviously, if you're a Colts fan, or if you're looking at this as an Eagles fan and, and seeing, okay, Ken Carson Wentz rebound? And that's, to me, where maybe where there is some hope for him. He goes to a new organization that isn't going to totally, in theory, cater around him like the Eagles did. So maybe there is hope in that regard. But and like you said, there's still a lot to prove. One thing I wanted to touch on quickly, I guess, is some people, you know, I think point to players like Fletcher Cox, and Jason Kelsey sticking up for Carson Wentz, mm-hmm. you know, like when he got benched. But I think you you already mentioned this too. And it's in your story. But I mean you still have players criticizing him mm-hmm. behind the scenes, right? It's not like everything is like, oh, Carson Wentz was universally beloved. And I think it's tough too because, you know, a locker room is filled with what? You know, over yeah. sixty players. There's a ton of mm-hmm. players. So people guys are going to feel differently about different guys and different mm-hmm. degrees too. One guy they might hate him, and one guy just might feel like just doesn't like him, but he's kind of indifferent. Um, but it's fair to say that like I guess the question is here, like, is he gonna be greatly missed in that locker room? No.
2: No. <laughs> you notice that I'll take like a millisecond to answer that now. And I think this is a sense that the Eagles as an organization sensed as well. That they knew they're intelligent guys, uh, Howie Roseman and Jeff Lurie. They knew they knew it would be a very difficult task for him to come back and be accepted. And I think they saw that at the town of last season. Now this is something that's interesting that I heard. I heard, and the only thing that I heard was this: that the conversation between uh, this is from uh, three different people that don't know each other, but they so told me the same thing. And it just it was very succinct, no details other than the conversation between Sirianni and Wentz did not go well. Mm-hmm. I was given nothing about it, no time frame, no specifics as to what the conversation, the context of the conversation. The only thing is the only th- the thing that I heard from. Uh, three NFL people, was the conversation did not go well.
1: But they did and talk directly? They did
2: yeah, they did speak, okay. but the conversation didn't do well. And I can speculate, and why I can speculate, too, is that Wentz may have turned around and said, you know, Coach Sirianni, I'll do respect to you. I don't see myself coming back. If you think about it, that speculation might be dead accurate, only for the fact that the Eagles and the Roseman and even Lori himself were not committal to Carson Wentz. Yeah. Think about how they reacted to the direct questions, the various questions that were basically the same questions over and over again, and they were not committal to Wentz. So there could be a lot of validity to what I was told there in reference to the conversation didn't go well with, with Nick Sirianni. And the other thing, too, is good for Nick Sirianni in the sense, Brandon, that he gets a fresh start with a quarterback that's willing to listen to him with a quarterback that's willing to turn around and be held accountable and wants to be held accountable, with a quarterback that's willing to be coached hard, which, again, we know, regardless of the, the cult of Carson, uh, and they're unwilling to accept this, but all those are proven facts with what I originally wrote in 2019. And, and what kind of gets me is that it's been supported by, as we both know, uh, uh, subsequent stories after what I originally wrote. So there is an issue with his attitude. Uh, hopefully Frank Wright can get to him again like he was able to get to him here but I I think from what I know of Wentz, uh, he seems to be the kind of guy that succeeds when you push him Uh, he needs, there's no people around him and um, well, let's see if they can be provided for him Um, I also know this um, you know this, anybody that's around the city knows this and has even an inkling of of the eagles as an organization they're not going to be good for a couple of years they're going to they're they're a mess now now here's a prediction again based on no facts whatsoever but just me guessing they they trade down from the sixth pick because i think they realize if they get chase uh the uh, lsu kid uh, they get um, the smith kid out of alabama what good are they going to be if this team's going to be a floundering franchise right now? That's I think the over under I think is six wins going into twenty twenty one, and granted it's not the NFC East is is by no means you know a killer division, uh, it's it's still an awful division. But right now they're at the bottom of the rung. They they finished they finished the worst of of the uh, you know the worst uh, division in, in NFL history. So. Uh, I wouldn't be surprised, so I make that prediction. I wouldn't be surprised if they draft or if they trade down out of that six spot to uh, get multiple picks, uh, maybe a later first-round pick. Uh, they find a, a pigeon that's willing to turn around and maybe go uh, a one. Uh, they're you know exchange ones and then maybe even get a three or four in addition to trading down. So, uh, but because this is a team in need of players. And this is a team that needs to turn around and restructure its its foundation and infrastructure. Um, I mean, do we know who the left tackle is going to be? I mean, Milata Ma- I think, would be the choice. He was average at best, uh, but he was serviceable. We have um, Isaac Saimalo. Uh, again, Kelsey's aging at center. Uh, Brandon Brooks uh, torn both Achilles coming into this season. uh shoulder,
1: I, yeah, dislocated yeah, shoulder. Yeah,
2: too. yeah, so it's, it's just... You know, and, and Lane's coming off uh, a beat up year. So, this is an older, aged, uh, banged up offensive line coming back. Jalen Hurts is, is super for them because he's mobile, he can move around. Uh, but this is also an offense that's going to be learning on the go. This is an offense and a team that's going to be turning around and learning a new program. And there is a learning uh a learning time with that and there's going to be a time where they have to turn around and get get things together what Sirianni likes to do what the defense is going to you know what the what the what what the plans are for the defense and there's a ton of holes there so this is a team that I wouldn't be surprised because four and twelve next season three and 13 next season at best at best six and ten or well, that's right the 17 games, so maybe call it four and uh, four and 13 or 3 and 14 uh or 6 and 11 but why turn around and have someone like a chase or someone like a smith here and have them mature here during a lot of um during a time when this team's going to be down i mean why not build up your offensive and defensive lines again let's build that infrastructure there let's get our quarterback protected uh let's get let's try to build our defense back up again you know, through again through the offensive and defensive lines. Let's let's go that route. Let's see where things go from there. And then we could start turning around and look for those, you know, those skill players that could turn around and help us out down the line. Because otherwise, you know, you're wasting uh Chase. You're wasting Smith in the time they would be here. Whereas you you know, an O lineman, a D lineman, they turn around and and they're learning and they're maturing. And that foundation Obviously, it's going to make you better. What made that Eagles Super Bowl team was their offensive and defensive lines. They had the uh, – arguably, well, I don't think there's argue, arg- anything to argue about. Brandon Brooks and Lane Johnson were the best right side of, of, of football. You know, So you're going to run – and arguably, I mean, people look at me as if I'm crazy, but Brandon Brooks could have been the most valuable player on the offensive side of that football. You know, When you're going to run, you're going to turn around and do something. You're going to do it behind Brandon and Lane. And now with Brandon being out and possibly, we'll just say his 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 the future of his career in, in question because of what he's been uh, dealing with. And he's a very intelligent guy who's working on a graduate degree. He has life far 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 beyond football. In mm-hmm. other words, he doesn't need football. He, he doesn't. He's not going to be
1: playing until like forty, like Jason Peters.
2: Yeah, no, I don't think he's going to have to go that route. And Lane, let's see how how much further Lane goes. I believe Lane's is Lane now thirty two, thirty three. Lane's a little bit older. He's a little bit long. No, no, I think Lane's bordering on thirty. I believe Lane's bordering on thirty. But there's been a lot of pounding and grind. Uh, Kelsey's certainly in his thirties. Uh, the all-time Eagles he turned
1: thirty-four this year. Yeah, yeah. The,
2: the all-time Eagles center in, in Eagles history. He's 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 the best center they've ever had. But but there's a lot of pounding there that he's endured. You know, each year is a, now the last two or three years have been a struggle for him after the season. He he has a baby. You know, we know he has a great personality. There, he has a future beyond football as a, as a broadcaster, as possibly even as a coach. So there's, there's a lot of things they're cooking and this simply is going to be a disaster. You know, they need players. They need good players that they can first off that, that, that have the talent and hopefully there's going to be enough quality scouting. And I don't even know who's the head of the scouting department. Uh, Dorsey's left. Howie I know is good at a lot of things. I think we all agree. I don't think you'll argue with me. I don't know exactly uh, how keen his eye is for talent, Uh, I'll start and stop there, Um, Mm -hmm. but this is a team that needs a lot, and getting a lot means trading down and building as opposed to, uh, you know, you're a title contender, then you turn around and you make a move. Here you go. I mean, it's perfect. I mean, you have someone that's right there on the edge. You dangle, you know, the possibility of their one, their later one, and and a late two or, you know, or a three. To, to trade down because again, the, the, the bottom line is they need players as opposed to getting that one star. You know, you're dealing with Hertz. We still don't know whether or not he has an NFL arm. Uh, we still don't know whether or not he could do the things that Wentz is able to do. Uh, Wentz has that NFL arm and you're putting Hertz behind a, a, a an offensive line. I think it was, it was it 14 different offensive lines, Brandon, that they ran this past something season something like that, which is what's a record as far as anybody knows, in terms of the, the different variations that, that are aligned this past season. So just simply get the players, build, trade down, uh, and, and that's the way you do it. That's you, know, you do it very gradually, and fans in the city better get used to the fact this is not going to be a winning team for two, maybe three years.
1: All right, so a couple more questions for you, but first I want to take a break here, so we will be back after this.
0: Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent... and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com.
1: Back here on our special BGN Radio guest interview with Joe Santoliquido. Joe. Uh, you kind of mentioned how the Eagles are going to be bad and you do, you, you you painted the picture of doom and gloom and now no one's listening to the podcast, <laughs> but it's quite fair because that's pretty much what we've been saying here too. Uh, I think a lot of people have been saying, I think that's just the reality. I mean, I mean, my, the counter to that, I guess, is that the NFL sometimes works in ways you never expect yeah, and things can go wild and crazy and turnarounds can happen quicker, but not guaranteed. So anyway, you talked all about that bad stuff. Mm-hmm. A lot of Eagles fans, you know, and, <laughs> and observers, and writers, I'll include myself in here, uh, feel like Howie Roseman is a big problem with this franchise. You mentioned the word schism between Wentz and Howie. So based on, you know, you've, so you've heard a lot about Harts and Wentz. But <laughs> yeah. do you hear things about Howie Roseman? Because that's what people want to know.
2: I hear he's intelligent. I hear he asks a lot of questions. I, I think what happened to Howie, and they're the positives, I think what happened to Howie from two major NFL people uh, one that used to be a former employee of the Eagles is when they won the Super Bowl. Best thing or worst thing that happened to Hallie, and you know exactly where I'm going with this. Best thing because he proved, you know, he helped he helped put this team together. He helped with Joe Douglas. Joe Douglas, Joe Douglas had a major part of that, but Hallie was deserves credit for that. Uh, so that's the that's the good thing. That's the best thing. Mm-hmm. The worst thing that happened to him with winning the Super Bowl was that Hallie began to think he was a hell of a lot smarter than he actually is
0: uh-huh. in terms
2: of seeing and determining. What talent is. And, you know, it's a matter of knowing your place. And again, maybe Howie needs a no guy too. You know, um, I, I didn't know this until very recently. I thought Lori was a hands off owner to a point. I thought Lori would meddle a little bit here and there. Like, for example, I think Lurie was, um, uh, whence was Lori's pick? And uh, Howie Roseman did, did his boss's bidding as he's supposed to do, he got his pick. We know our our, our, our Saga Whiteside, that's the correct pronunciation, he was a Lori pick. And Lurie's also a little bit guilty over the Super Bowl having something to do with um, his little bit of a blown-up blown ego. Um, here's an owner that in the past would step back and let his football people do their football things. And now suddenly, you know, uh, I'm the guy that had something to do with Carson Wentz. I might have some. I might think of myself as uh, more intelligent than I actually am. We know the 2017 season was an outlier, but it was a hell of an outlier. Uh, with Wentz going again, 11 and two, and Laurie sitting up in his beautiful club box suite, saying, "That's my guy. That's the guy that I picked. That's the guy that I I, I gave Mr. Uh, Mr. Roseman the directive to get to, and now he's doing this and doing these fine, amazing things for my team." only to have it blow up in their faces three years later. But I, I'll tell you what, I'll take this mess if I'm an Eagles fan. I'm a media person. I'm not supposed to be a fan. But I will take this current mess for that Super Bowl trophy. Now, you and I were sitting together in Minneapolis during that event. And and I used the word event because I, I was born and bred an Eagles fan. Uh, my only wish is you know, someone like my father, God rest his soul, could have been there to see that. But that was a very, very special moment that can't be taken away that's got to be the experience of a lifetime and it's something that's very special and and something this organization still should take a lot of pride in but they also turn they have to turn around and they themselves it's it's, it's kind of funny how this has gone in terms of uh whence again not being accountable you know uh feeling entitled uh a twinge of arrogance you could turn around and easily say that about the eagles organization you know and and the way they've handled things since that Super Bowl, we're the big guys on the block. Get out of our way type of thing. Again, I know people from other teams, assistant coaches, coaches, players. Uh, it's more than just the fan base that the NFL doesn't like here. It's the, it's the Philadelphia Eagles. And it's a little bit of Howie Roseman. Howie's respected to a point. But um, he's also, I'll just say, behind maybe a few closed doors. He's someone that people like pull a little snicker snicker. And just like, really? This guy's a little bit of a clown here. A little bit too much. uh, Johnny Big Time, when that Super Bowl trophy came about and he raised it up in his hands and suddenly he thinks of himself as the next coming of Vince Lombardi. Um, They all need, they all need to take a step back. They're not going to listen to Ishmael like me. But they need to take a look at themselves in the mirror and look at this mess that they've created. They've created by, by entitling, by giving entitlement to a quarterback. That helped ruin this situation. And uh, again, they could turn around and maybe behind closed doors, they may whisper, "Bro, oh, once this, once that. Now, by the way, you'll start to hear those things. You'll start to hear things that I was hearing a couple years ago about dear old Carson. And don't be surprised if those stories become, start, to become, uh, start to come out a little bit more. And people are more bolder and they're going on the record with some things. Just don't be surprised if that stuff starts to leak out. But I, I will say this. They have to take a look at themselves and look at the mess that they have created. Uh, Again, they may point a finger at Wentz being uncoachable, not accountable, arrogant, but they have been the same thing. Uh, Mr. Lurie and Mr. Roseman have not exactly been accountable to themselves. And we see that in the reflection of a 4-11-1 season. And they only have themselves to blame for all this because, again, you know, we let a monster get out of control in Wentz. Well, that's done. Good for them. And that's why, by the way, I gave it a high grade. It helps Wentz. It helps the organization. Everybody, in my opinion, wins because it, it, it cuts out a pain. It cuts out a, a big, big boil on their butt. Uh, mm-hmm. So that's done. They now can turn the page. Here's another situation that they're faced with. Talking to a couple of assistant coaches. Uh, someone tells me, Nick Sirianni is a good guy. He's an energy guy. Uh, positive attitude. sis boom, ba. that's all fine. But some of the fellows that I spoke to, this you know, a little bit premature and pulling the trigger on dear old Nick Sirianni. He might've been one or two years away. Uh, someone who was with him when he was with the Chiefs says to me very recently, actually it was two people that said this to me, uh, that he, uh, he was quality control coach down there and, and building his way up. And you know, and I know Brandon, that's the last rung of the, uh, the, the coaching ladder. I mean, those guys do incredible, incredible work. Um, that's where uh, Sean McDermott started. That's where Joe Judge started. That's where Kevin Stefanski started. You know, And these guys, it's, 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 a, it's a tireless, thankless job, 18-hour days. There in the office. There in the building, vacation, no vacation. <laughs> Guess what? Kansas City had their vacation time. But you didn't find Nick Sirianni in the building. So we'll see if his ways have changed. I'd like to think that they have. And uh, we'll see where things are. Um, as someone put it to me uh, that knows me well, in the NFL coaching ranks, they basically asked me, uh, what's, what's Sirianni running up our daycare center <laughs> with all these, they are, I think they are almost by far, maybe the youngest coaching staff yeah. in the NFL. And where you have people like, uh, and I'll go here with this. You have people like a Seth Joyner who was out there and is an older man that will get up a, a, a player's tail and tell him what to do. Um, do you remember the story I did in January of 2020 in reference to uh, uh, the uh, the race and the Eagles and the Saints being the only ones? And remember me mentioning to you and mentioning in the story how Staley was reminded, "Don't coach these guys too hard." So now I'm thinking with Sirianni in this move and with the younger guys they have coming in, I'd like to think, okay, we're going to be teachers, we're going to be this, we're going to be that, but sometimes sometimes you need a hard ass. And and I think that mixture of like someone like a Stoutland certainly is is going to be a huge help to them. I think Stoutland's one of the best, if not the best offensive line coach in the uh, the NFL. But sometimes you need that fine mixture of teacher, like an Andy Reid, like someone like that, uh, who's also going to turn around and put a foot up your tail if you do something wrong. And let's see if that coaching staff here is like that. I, I know from what I know of Johnson, the quarterback's coach, he, he is old school. He is like that. He will put a foot up your tail. And Jalen Hurts seems to be the someone that, that very, very – bring it on, coach. Bring it on. I'll take it. I'll take anything you have for me as long as I get to learn, as long as you get to progress.
1: All right. So uh, you just brought up Jalen Hurts. That brings me to my next two questions that I'm, I'll mold into one here. Mm-hmm. What if? So you've already kind of talked about some of what you've heard about Jalen Hurts throughout this Mm -hmm. show. Mm -hmm. And obviously you've written about it as well in terms of being highly coachable. Is there anything else you've heard about him? Do you think he should be the starter this year? Because I think there's some merit to that idea in terms of, I mean, you're talking about it. The Eagles probably aren't going to be that great next year. Mm -hmm. And you talked about potentially trading down because Mm -hmm. it's not really a great environment for, I mean, you were talking about wide receivers, no, let alone a quarterback to Mm -hmm. come in here and thrive in. So, So maybe you kind of just ride with Jalen Hurts. Um, You know he's coachable. Mm -hmm. You're bringing in a quarterback's coach, you know, who has some level of familiarity with him Mm -hmm. in Brian Johnson. Mm -hmm. Um, And maybe you can see what he has. And maybe if he's great, then great. He's your guy. And you move forward with him in the future. And if he's not, well, then you're in position to potentially draft a quarterback next year. If you need to trade up, then you can use the pick, you know, that you got from Mm -hmm. Carson Wentz trade to potentially do that. So uh, what are you hearing about Jalen Hurts? and then should the eagles draft a quarterback
2: but no you can't i'll say this if they did jalen hurts is not going to turtle up and run away like carson Wentz did jalen hurts again is he's, he's the, from what i hear about jalen hurts bring it on man bring it on you know you got a challenge for me i don't care again like i, I just i stated earlier it's just bring on the next coming of joe montana i'm going to turn around and bust my tail the problem the the issues that jalen may be facing is one Uh, Talking to two SEC people, they were surprised at how much he's improved as a passer, and he has, but they still say he lacks an NFL arm. They still say that he does not have the kind of arm that Carson Wentz has. So you're dealing with that. He still needs to grow and learn and read defenses at this NFL level. He's again going, he's entering his second season with a second coach and a second system. So now I have to turn around and get away from the system I was running under Coach Peterson into the system Coach Sirianni will be, uh, will be putting into place. So you're dealing with that struggle of learning a new system. Uh, these guys get it. They know. They grow. They learn. But there's obstacles there that a guy entering his second season, I, I would like to think I, I, you don't want those obstacles, but this is what Jalen's going to have to deal with. I think I'd like to believe they're going to run the hell out of Miles Sanders. They're going to pound the hell out of him. They're going to play a brawl controlled kind of game. They'll use Jalen Hurts' ability judiciously. You know, we saw some glimpses of how well he could pass. We still don't know. So this is going to be very much a trial and error type of season. Uh, In the back of the Eagles' minds, again, speculation on my part, is that, hey, it's a win-win for us because, again, we don't expect to be good. We realize we're not going to be good. So here, we'll see what Jalen has to offer. If he plays well, we know we got our guy. The other side of it, Jalen's second year. If things don't go as well, if we he does not throw the ball or as 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 accurately and as long as as we think he can, then again this this season they use the season as a bridge season, and again like I said they finish four and four and thirteen or, or three and fourteen or whatever that's certainly going to get them a high end pick again next season, you know, and they have we'll see where things play out with the Colts they would have the Colts I believe first round pick which would be I think late in the first round. They have two first-round picks. And here, how about this? Even if they didn't, say, say they flopped. Again, they're not going to be good. Say they get the third or fourth pick overall. Here's a beautiful situation for it. I got two first-round picks. I have something to play with here. I can I can offer our pick at one and maybe a second-round pick, or I don't know if they offer two ones to be to get the number one pick overall. But they have some flexibility now that they didn't have before. So even if they want to use this season as a bridge season from where they are with Jalen Hurts, hey, he's not cutting it. We don't see a future with him. Let's go on. Let's turn the page. Let's see what's coming out here in terms of the college draft and what we can get to to find that other very elusive franchise quarterback. So they have some, some movement, some things there that they wouldn't have had, obviously, if Wentz was still here. Uh, and I believe, and Brandon, correct me if I'm wrong, uh, this season they have to take the 33.8 million dollar hit. But next season they are believed they're scot free, right? They're free of that?
1: Yeah, it's you know, all the, the bonus money accelerates to this mm-hmm. year and mm-hmm. yeah. And that's that was the big advantage of moving on from him in yeah. terms of like you're taking the biggest cap hit in NFL history this year, mm-hmm. but you're also not guaranteeing ten million more for this year and yeah. you're also not guaranteeing yeah. fifteen million more for twenty twenty two.
2: That's why we got rid of him because we don't want to turn around and public we made a major mistake with him, but yeah we made a we made a major mistake by re upping him. <laughs> so uh expect a long autumn. Expect one <laughs> long autumn. So, and I'm sure you and I will be laughing quite a bit.
1: So, my last question for you here mm-hmm. uh, is, do you feel any sympathy towards Carson Wentz? Because, um, you know, obviously, you've written a lot of mm-hmm. critical things about him. Definitely. But, uh, you know, you've you've talked about, too, how you've written positive things, too. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I remember when you first came out with your Philly Voice report in 2019, mm-hmm. that One of the things that really stood out to me uh, was just like it made me really reflect on how things had kind of been a tough situation as just the human element Mm -hmm. side of it. You know, taking Mm -hmm. out, you know, performance and just looking at human element side. You know, Carson Wentz, he gets drafted. He's the guy um, like that's in his head. He's having this amazing season. You know, it looks like I mean, I can only imagine to be in his body. And to be thinking, you know, like where he is in that mind frame, like he's probably thinking I'm going to be here for like, you know, 10, 15 years. This is like, this is the beginning of something amazing in Philadelphia. Like, I'm going to be a hero. Like, I don't know, you know, if he's thinking like that, but in my mind I could see that mm-hmm. and you know, then he gets hurt mm-hmm. and then they win the Super Bowl without him. Mm-hmm. And it's, I mean, I can't even imagine. And he talked about it. He even said it's a, it's a hard experience to go through. Mm-hmm. And Then, you know, you talk about the further injuries and just the pain he's had to deal with, multiple different injuries, concussion, back, ACL, all of that. And then to, you know, finally kind of exercise his demons late in 2019 by leading the team on a run into the playoffs. And then obviously gets knocked out of his first playoff game. But okay you know, at least he got him there and there's hope going into 2020. But then they draft a potential successor. Or at least a wild card is thrown into the mix with Hertz and everything. So it's the, the timeline of Carson Wentz is complicated. And as you said earlier in the show, his legacy, I think, is complicated too, because you can't just look at how it ended. You have to account for how he absolutely deserves credit for the team winning the Super Bowl, even though he wasn't there to play in the game itself. Um, so do you feel sympathy towards him uh, after all of this?
2: I do not. I do not. He is uh, what, $126 million richer? He is a mature, well, He's an intelligent young man that I would like to think have has good people around him. Uh, I'd like to think he was raised well well by his parents. I'm not going to certainly take that knock. Um, There's good there. There's quite a bit of good there about Carson Wentz, but I don't feel any sympathy for him because he's too intelligent to be this emotionally unintelligent. He needed to take a look at himself, take self inventory over the things. That he's done in the past. Uh, I remember specifically. I I know. Again, we both know for a fact he read that 2019 story, and it bothered him. Well, you see it and you know it, and he addressed it to a point, and then basically he resorted reverted back to who. I hate to say it, maybe who he genuinely maybe is. You know, an entitled spoiled brat, who always got his way at Century High School at North Dakota State, and here with the Eagles, always being quote unquote the man. And and always being someone again that's that again has has had that carpet laid out in front of him. One sign of adversity, he goes to pieces. And that's on him. That's on him. That's what he has to turn around and look at himself. And, and just say, you know, listen, this is what's going on. Uh, this is the way, uh, this is what I need to change. This is what, this is what I have to address. And that's why I don't feel any sympathy for him. Uh, he has it. He has it going on. He has a beautiful wife. He has a beautiful baby girl. He's going to the situation he wanted to go into with the Colts. Mm-hmm. Again, going back to being catered to, going back to being entitled. This is the way it is because I'm Carson Wentz. Get out of my way. And, uh, you know, uh, it's, it's, and, and, and that's where, again, it falls on him again. Uh, I talk to him as if he's a child. He's not a child. He behaves like a child sometimes, but he's not a child. And again, I use the example of, yeah, he's entitled, but the Eagles also entitled him. Mm-hmm. But here there comes a point in time where he's intelligent enough. He should have had the emotional maturity enough to turn around and just say, no, I don't want the keys to the car. I do want to be coached hard. I do want to be pushed in the areas, into those uncomfortable areas that, that are going to make me a better player long run, long term. Again, you're dealing with – um uh, t- uh Tom Tom Brady for example he goes down uh uh with um uh help me out here the OC for the uh, Tampa Bay Buccaneers
1: uh Byron Lef- Leftwich
2: Byron Leftwich so and he tells him I want to be coached hard I want you to push me six time super bowl champion all time great all the greatest he's the goat and he's going to Byron Leftwich you push my tail push my ass I want to be pushed hard here and Carson Wentz can't do that. Come on, man. And that's where I, I I hold no sympathy for him. I I don't wish him any harm. I wish him mm-hmm. the best. I, I I know two people personally on the Colts. One very prominent player personally on the Colts that I, I'd like to think he's he's got to do. You know, I like to think he's got to do well with under Wentz. But uh, everything that's happened to Carson Wentz and the attitude that people have towards Carson Wentz was created by Carson Wentz. You know, again, he could have addressed all these things with the trade rumors, this and that. He could have stepped to the front. And to quote Jaws, John as per my February 8th story, I mean, he's telling me, Joe, I, I, I'm booed by 70,000 70, people. That's Philadelphia. That's the way the city rolls. You know, you deal with it. I dealt with it. I'm better because of it. I dealt with the adversity. I stared the adversity down. Personally, I mean, I just, I, you know, you know the BS I was taking with the city. And as someone, a boxing friend, put it to me, you stared the toughest city in America down. Wow. I, don't exactly, I don't know exactly that. But, you know, here's a guy that ran away. He did not look at the, the quote, Charles. He did not look down the barrel of the gun. He ran away. That, regrettably, is going to be a big part of his legacy here in Philadelphia. And we both know, Brandon, Um that's the way the fan base to a point sees this. They're, they're going to forget. I mean, in time, he's going to be more appreciated, as he should be again. Mm-hmm. He was a big part of that Super Bowl championship team. He deserves credit for that. But things could have worked out far, far better for him than they did here in Philadelphia. And a lot of that is the fault of Carson Wentz.
1: Yeah, I would say there are no victims here is how I would put it. Like, Carson Wentz is not a victim. The team is not a victim. Mm-hmm. Everyone played a part yeah. in this yeah. situation yeah. that got created, this mess of a situation in it's not just fixed too mm. with Carson Wentz leaving. Like there's still a mess here mm-hmm. and it be Carson Wentz gets better, but maybe he doesn't. Maybe he, you know, these issues you talk about continue to uh, plague him throughout his career and we'll see. And that'll be very interesting to follow. Obviously.
2: I would but, not be surprised, Brandon. Again, you and I've spoken about this. If he suffers another major injury, I think he cashes out. I think he, I think he, I think he leaves. I think he, I think he, he I think he retires. Another be broken so crazy late, something like that. If, if something were to happen like that, he's again—he's a smart enough guy—and he goes off and goes and gets his home in North Dakota and shoots pigeons and and buck and 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 God bless him, you know—he has a big, 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 big chunk of land there, and and so be it, you know. But I think what's going to plague him, and it should plague him, is that he could have been so much better than he's turned out to be. And again, that's not Harry Roseman's fault, that's not Jeff Lurie's fault. That's not the team, the players in that locker room. It's not their fault. It's certainly not the coaching staff that had him for years. It's not their fault. It's the fault of Carson Wentz. It's 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 his, that, that his destiny, his underachieving career that could be staring him in the face will all be on him. And that is something that uh, he has to take a real good look at moving forward. And, um it's gotta be it's gotta be his fault we both know again he's not someone that exactly accepts blame very well
1: joe any final thoughts anything you wanna plug uh have at it
2: uh no not really i'm i'm excited uh i have uh uh my my boxing peeps and uh uh, uh, uh some big fights coming up to cover um and just uh, uh i I'll, I'll tell you what personally i'm <laughs> i found uh, I found Thursday, uh, February 18th, a very relieving day for me For me as well. I think it was relieving for Carson Wentz. I think it was relieving for uh, uh, Howie Roseman and Jeff Lurie. And I think it was relieving for a great deal of Eagles players in the locker room. And uh, they, they got rid of a headache in Carson Wentz. And Carson Wentz didn't need the headache that he was getting. So it was. It's a beautiful thing for everyone. I think it was a win-win for everyone, and um, you know we'll see where things go. I, 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 uh, again, I, I have some investment there. I know some people personally on the Colts. So I hope they do well, and uh, I would not mind seeing Carson Wentz succeed in Indianapolis. I don't know how much, but again, same story with him is he has to learn to get out of his own way.
1: Well, Joe, thank you for joining me here on another as special a- edition of BCN as a- Radio. As always, as
2: always, Brandon, my pleasure.
1: Uh, This has been a BGN Radio special episode brought to you by Righteous Felon Craft Jerky. Again, it is the best beef jerky you can get. You can go to RighteousFelon.com for more information. And you can also go there to buy some and use discount code BGN, as in Bleeding Green Nation, BGN15 for 15% off. Uh, Check out all of our Carson Wentz coverage that's coming up. Still to come throughout this offseason on BleedingGreenNation.com. Make sure you subscribe, rate, review, download all that good stuff here to BGN Radio and the Bleeding Green Nation podcast feed. We'll have more coverage coming your way and we will talk to you next time.
2: BGN.